0: Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers.
1: Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about. Now, I literally can't miss a day. It's the first thing I put in my body every single morning. As someone who suffers from IBS, AG1 has completely improved my gut health and allows me to have sustained energy throughout the day. And since I'm always on the go, the travel packs make it so easy to stay consistent wherever I am.
0: Love it. I've personally been taking AG1 for a while. And as someone who lacked a multivitamin routine, AG1 has been the perfect product to mix into my morning routine. Truthfully, I was a skeptic at first as I'm with most supplements and vitamins, but I felt noticeably better at the start of morning workouts and definitely have seen an improvement in my digestive health. I tend to mix my AG1 with two tablespoons of lemon juice and coconut water, and it's delicious. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash STW. Again, that is athleticgreens.com STW to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
1: Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by founder and CEO of Shirley Wines, Ryan Hansen. Shirley Wines are premium non-alcoholic wines that allow you to enjoy the same great taste, but without the hangover the next day. Prior to Shirley, Ryan worked at Perfect Keto. We talked to Ryan today about the rise in the non-alcoholic movement, Shirley's expansion, and much more.
0: Ryan, welcome to Subscribing to Wellness. Thanks so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Why don't you just give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you got inspired to start Shirley? For sure.
2: Uh, So I'd say I usually start my story with when I came to Austin, I was interested in startups and wanted to get into health and wellness space better for you. Uh, And I came down here in 2017. I had done a lot of just, you know, traditional corporate finance background and was like, hey, I want to like, you know, have a job that just feels like. Um, you have a little bit more stake in the game and um, identified Austin as like a place there was a lot of really cool stuff going on and I was fortunate enough to get connected with Justin Mares pretty early on uh, when I was moving down here he had just started Kettle on Fire Bone Broth and he was starting a a keto snack and supplement business and you know at the time I just had kind of this like finance background and I was just willing to do whatever to get into um, kind of the scene and uh, they were early, early enough where they didn't, you know, have somebody um, kind of on like the finance ops side. So I joined as an early employee there and um, it just started to like, you know, I, I knew I was going to be into it, but um, into kind of like the startup CPG better for you, but um, really, really loved the work that we were able to do for, um, I think I was there for two and a half years. And you know, my first interview with Justin was, you know, Hey, I came down here because I want to start a company one day. Um, so. You know, we had been talking about different ideas about um, kind of what might be our next venture. Um, and after two and a half years at Perfect Keto, uh, we saw a lot of really cool stuff going on in the non alcoholic space, more specifically beer. Um, and, you know, I think there's some stuff going on with spirits as well, like Seed Lib and Athletic had kind of already been out to market and were having success. And, um, you know, nobody was doing anything that we thought was like unique and interesting in wine. Um, and so we just started to uh, kind of poke around and, you know, identify winemakers who were willing to work on this project and understand the challenges. And we started with a a sparkling rosé in R&D back in 2020. Um, And the first kind of uh, PO we placed uh, was like a small one, but it sold out in 30 days. And I think at that point in time, we're like, okay, like, I think I think we have something here. And and we really started to, like, get serious about building the brand um, after that launch in November 2020.
1: So I feel like you guys were one of the first uh, non-alcoholic wines to market. And since we've seen, you know, Bosan in New York and these dedicated retailers for non-alcoholic beverages and wine, can you tell me a little bit about like what that process has been like of kind of being at the forefront of it and starting this new category?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, you know, being in a, new category really early is super fun, but also super challenging. I, I specifically remember just when we became aware of Wassan's existence, we were like, whoa, like this place in New York just ordered like all this wine. and We've never even heard of them. Like, oh, there's like stores. We didn't even know there was like, non out of bottle shops. Like when we started, we we're like, oh, Wassan, this is super cool. Um, and I've actually gotten to become pretty close with um, their founder, Nick. And, um, you know, I think like, what's been interesting is that we've all kind of grown up together um, and so I think it's actually a pretty tight-knit community kind of this emerging premium non out wine um, and it was uh, I think it was so clear early on that this was something that a lot of people really wanted um, and I think just like the the kind of community engagement and the, the positive reception you were getting from all the customers hitting the inbox like wow I'm so glad this exists like um, and I think it's also just part of this larger trend where, you know, people were just continuing to evaluate, um, you know, kind of everything about their own health journeys and everybody's cutting back on carbs, sugar, and all these other things. And people are just starting to pay more attention to alcohol now, which totally makes sense. Um, so like 80% of our customers are drinkers. So I really view, you know, non-alcoholic wine is, you know, it, it, it solves a lot of problems, um. But I think part of it is just helping people kind of moderate their alcohol intake for kind of better health benefits.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And I feel like I feel like every January, right, there's a survey that comes out that asks each generation like how they're kind of consuming alcohol, if they're trying to cut back. And it feels like every single year, like the percentage across all generations, obviously especially Gen Z and millennials, but it feels like every generation is trying to cut back more. Um, so 100 that that resonates. I guess a question to you, knowing your business, you guys really started off with majority of your volume still to this day coming through digital, through DTC. Um, Is that an important kind of strategy to start with as an NA brand, just given the nascence of the category and kind of the need to to really educate consumers about kind of like what you're selling? Um, Or is the category starting to get mature enough where brands can kind of start launching and of just going on shelf and just thinking product and packaging enough will sell through?
2: Yeah, it was a good question. I mean, I think that, you know, when we started the business, we asked ourselves, how can we take advantage of all of the the facts that we are non-alcoholic wine, Um, really from like more of a business perspective, specifically speaking about being, you know, we don't have to adhere to three tier or TTB. And so the ability to just, you know, set up drinkshirly.com and start getting that feedback from customers kind of day one without any, you know, application or additional partners required to make that product get to the customer, uh, we've reviewed as like a huge strategic advantage just in terms of um, creating those feedback loops with customers, especially early on where we're creating a new product in a relatively new category where a lot of people have never had non-alcoholic wine before because, it you know, hasn't really existed um, outside of kind of, you know, some of the lower quality, high sugar products that I think aren't appealing to to our customer base. So I think D2C is always, um, especially in this category will always be um, a great place for you to build community, grow your brand, um, have that one-to-one relationship with customers. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of the retailers are, trying to figure out what the future of their wine set looks like, or what the future of their non-alcoholic set looks like. I think I've talked to a lot of retailers and there's a lot of different conversations on, does this go into the wine set? Is there a specific Don Elk set? Is there a non elk set just for wine? Is it mixed with all the other kind of non elk alternatives out there? And I think different retailers uh, have different perspectives and I, I'm seeing, just being in this business the last two years, I think a lot of people, weren't ready to answer that question or spend time answering that question at the retail level. I'm seeing a lot more people really understanding, um, you know, how much demand there is for these products and like, hey, we got to start, you know, carving out space in our store for this. Um, so I think that the D2C, the strength of your D2C um, really allows you to be successful at retail. Um, and we've already seen that a little bit. We were fortunate to launch in Sprouts nationwide, um, started in this December. And You know, we kind of built this Sprouts army internally and it was like, hey, how do we just kind of educate all of our customers that are within a certain radius of a Sprouts that like, hey, you're going to get a way better deal here. Um, We've got some of our stuff was um, kind of launched um, with the promo pricing on shelf. And we really view kind of retail as um, kind of the the largest part of our revenue mix long term. Um, But certainly... After building the business for two years online, there's going to be a lot of work to kind of educate the audience that, that they're in stores. Also, educate with the retailer like, this is where it should be merchandise. This is what works. This is how to educate the customer in the store when you don't have kind of the benefit of, um, you know, grabbing an email on d c putting them into an email flow, you know, all the different links you can click, et cetera. So, I think to answer your question, it still feels like now, right now, D2C is a really important part of the equation. I think. As the category matures uh, long term, maybe you will be to, able to enter right into retail. But I think there's too much education required at this point um, that really helps the customer understand not only what the product is, but kind of the the premium premiumization of it as well. Um, you know, like, hey, why is this just as as expensive as wine? Which you know, we can talk about some of that as well.
1: Yeah, touching on that, I think I want to understand a little bit about how you guys like understand your consumer. I think. You know, from the outside, when people think of a non-alcoholic beverage or especially wine, they think of maybe gearing towards the pregnant woman or something along those lines. But as we know, it's it's for the masses. And I think it speaks volumes, your latest campaign of like the mommy and and child kind of example. And so I'm wondering like how you guys have really understood your consumer and how slash who you're really, really going after in that market.
2: Yeah, I think majority of our customers are drinkers. Uh, They do drink wine. What we've found is that we've kind of positioned it as like, this is your weekday wine. Like you like drinking wine with dinner every single night. You just don't like having alcohol every single night, uh, which totally makes sense. And, you know, wine traditionally pairs really well with food. There's that ritual to it. Um, And I think that it's kind of the health conscious wine consumer who really loves and appreciates wine and, and enjoys that complexity and that taste profile. But you know, wants to get a great night's sleep, has a big day the next day, or just wants to moderate their alcohol intake for for general health reasons. Um, So we've really um, kind of positioned it that way. And I think, you know, what we found is a lot of people are enjoying this um, in their homes during the week with dinner. Um, I think that, you know, as we continue to grow out um, kind of other pieces of our business, you know, we started in the grocery channel in terms of our first kind of foray into retail, but I think the you know on-premise accounts as well and really bring that to life for people, whether it be at restaurants, hospitality or bars is definitely kind of a next step for us. But I think for now, just because of you know where our products available, um, D 2 C and grocery, we've really been focusing kind of our marketing on like, hey, have this at with dinner during the week. Um, and we've seen a lot of people tell us that that's how they're using it as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, I've always said too that, you know, when discussing this category, when I think about a spirit drinker versus a wine drinker in my head, and this is, of course, my opinion, I wouldn't say it's necessarily data driven, but I think a spirit drinker is generally slightly more interested in getting intoxicated, or at least like consuming alcohol compared to a wine drinker, whereas I do think for the most part, like a wine drinker really just like loves the ritual and loves like the great like taste of wine and the notes and the complexity of kind of the liquid versus the spirit drinker and that's why you know I'm always really impressed with liars because like in my head I'm like well like as a spirit drinker it's it's not as likely that I really want to go completely ABV-less I get the NA beer thing because I think a lot of people enjoy beer on an occasion where they just want to have a few and aren't really again looking to get intoxicated but for me wine just makes so much sense for, for the reason that I kind of just mentioned. Um, and so then I guess a question for you and then just to transition would be kind of the production process and obviously we've seen a few here scale pretty quickly in NA beer it seems and I know it's not an easy process but it feels like it's, it's easier to de beer. I mean how challenging it really is it to come out with an end product within wine that tastes similar to the conventional al- alcoholic version?
2: Yeah, the, that's a great question. The way I kind of try to frame that challenge as it relates from wine versus beer, as you think about beer, you know, generally beers are going to have three to 5% ABV. Generally wines are going to have between 12, 14, 15%. So, you know, if from a product development standpoint, you're trying to solve for replacing ethanol or alcohol, you know, you just have a larger gap when we're talking about a wine product. Um, and I think Spirits have had the benefit of you can, you know, mix it with a lot of different stuff um, as part of kind of like cocktail or, or NA mocktail making, whereas wine, like, you know, it's, it's it's mostly just consumed, you know, right out of the bottle. And so, uh, you know, for us, we're, we're just starting from, a, a f- we're starting further away when we take out the alcohol versus beer. Um, you know, I think beer often can rely on hops and carbonation as well to, for kind of like that mouthfeel experience, whereas... I think wine. We've found great success in, in the sparkling products. I think a kind of a still, um, you know, complex wine with kind of that texture and mouthfeel uh, that that everybody, um, you know, really loves about wine, especially in a red, is that's like really the biggest challenge. And I think we've seen a lot of um, different approaches to that. Um, what, but what's happening right now is that there are a lot more. Um, you know the carbonation are more fruit forward, and I think our bubbly reds a, a great example of a product that kind of scratches the itch for a red wine drinker, um, but leverages what we know works well in NA, that being kind of fruitiness and then some some carbonation. And so um, I I know that we're just at the early stages of kind of like this product development process. It's been amazing to go through all these different iterations uh, for the last two years, and actually doing another tasting with the team tomorrow. So. We've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline that we're excited about, but we're definitely going to want to make sure that we're taking our time so that you know when we feel like we go out to market, we're we're not only like maintaining the standard of quality that we set, we're also raising the bar at the same time. And I think that's how you're going to continue to get um, not only customers but retailers, um, you know, bartenders, bar managers, all of the people that I think are really um, necessary to be kind of connected to to make this kind of the category that NA beer has become.
1: Yeah, you mentioned a couple of your products, and I want to just dig a little bit deeper into your your current SKUs. Um, can you tell us, like, Shirley's current offerings as it stands today? Current
2: offerings right now, we've got a, a sparkling rosé and a brute. Those are both in 750 ml bottle and then 250 ml cans. Uh, we have a Sauvignon Blanc that's in a 750 ml bottle. And then we have a, the bubbly red that I mentioned is a canned product in, in 250 ml can. So, you know, right now, most of our products are sparkling. I think we've found something with the Sauvignon Blanc that works where, you know, California Sauvignon Blanc is often known for being kind of like light and citrusy. And so I think you can kind of lean into that and provide an experience that people really enjoy. Uh, I think Last time I checked, I forget, it was like Sal Blanc or, or our Sparkling Rosé were kind of like our, our top sellers. So just to give you a perspective about, you know, what people are enjoying from a Shirley standpoint. But actually like all of our all of our products have pretty good distribution. There's not like, uh, you know, we've been, if something hasn't worked, we've kind of said like, hey, we'll, we'll scrap that and we'll let's try to make something better. Um, I think the other product that we have out there is like a, a Rosé Spritz um, as well. So it's kind of like a, you know, taking our, our, um, De alkalized Rose and um kind of making a cocktail with it.
0: What yeah. has been like sorry, what has been like the the most successful way to bring new customers into the business and like drive trial? Like are these are the line extensions where you where you like launch Sprints this for the first time after like the bottled like ways to bring customers into the business that weren't really considering? Or like how I mean I, I'm just curious, like what is kind of like the most effective strategy in this case? Yeah, we do a lot of surveying uh, and we try to have our product team actually talk to customers. So we're really
2: understanding, um, And it's, it's not only kind of like the VIP customers that might be in our wine club, but it's also people who maybe bought once and didn't come back or it's people who just signed up, clearly exp- expressed interest, but never made a purchase. Um, you know, for us from an acquisition standpoint, I mean, the, we started with bottles and then we went into cans. And I think that was a response to a lot of people. Um, you know, if they were the only person in the house that, um, drinking non-alcoholic wine, maybe they didn't want to, you know, commit to a whole bottle also like bringing it over to share with friends. It's like easier to give somebody a can than like give somebody a bottle. It's a financial commitment. Um, I think also during the summer, you know, we kind of had a campaign, like you can literally drink this anywhere because it's not glass and it's not alcohol. And I think like, right, like, you know, we all know, like going to the beach, trying to sneak glass or alcohol or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and so kind of the convenience in a can, I think, um, kind of expanded the occasion, uh, which helped with acquisition. Um, I think that what we've seen, which has been cool and interesting on the on the retail side was uh, we've done some kind of digital pushes to drive some of our email lists into Sprouts. And the data has actually said that a decent amount of them have been people who actually aren't even truly customers yet, they're they're engaging with us for the first time at Sprouts, and so I think there's, you know, there's a reality out there. There's a lot of people that are probably into this category that, you know, maybe they don't shop online, or maybe kind of the the free shipping minimum was too high for them. They didn't want to commit to that many bottles, um, or whatever kind of the the friction was in their in their own customer journey. Them being able to go in Sprouts, which they're probably going to every single week, or maybe it's on the ride home from work. Um, has allowed us to kind of activate those customers in a new ch- new channel, which um, is why we're you know so bullish on on retail being you know so incremental to our business because it really does um, make the customer um, journey that much easier for somebody from a price point standpoint. Uh, don't have to wait for shipping, you know, nothing is going to be damaged in route, um, you know, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering what's been like the biggest challenge for you launching a non-alcoholic wine company so far, like something that maybe you thought was going to be easy and isn't or vice versa. Like, I'm just curious now reflecting, um, what's kind of been like this big looming challenge for you?
2: Yeah, I think education, um, you know, it's, you, you've always got to find creative ways to kind of educate and being a new category that, a lot of people have maybe never even heard of, and most people definitely haven't tasted before. Um, like, how do you communicate all these things um, in digital or on shelf um, or in an investor meeting or in a meeting with a retailer? Uh, you know, we've we've you know we've tried uh, a lot of different ways of communicating. I think you got to be dynamic in terms of who your audience is. And you know, on the one side, I always tell the team like we've got an amazing chance for a first impression, like. I'm always pushing everybody like this is likely the first non-alcoholic wine they've ever had in their lives. Think about it like that. Like you imagine selling the first chocolate chip cookie to somebody like you got a really high chance of retention there uh, if they really like it. And if they're really into it and they really like it, like that's a huge opportunity for the business. And, you know, I think, um, you know, different people have different perceptions on what non-alcoholic wine tastes like. Um, either they think it's going to taste exactly like some other wine that maybe we're a different varietal or it comes from a different region. Like there's a lot of nuance to wine. So I would say the education piece has been uh, a place where we spent a lot of time. And I think we've, we've ha- we have a good process about understanding our audience and how to communicate to them differently. I think, you know, the, the YouTube videos we launched were kind of a direct response to just a lot of common questions we get. Um, and I think the mommy and me video, Uh, which kind of shows mothers and their daughters drinking non-alcoholic wine together. Uh, It's basically, you know, intended to educate like, you know, most people say non-alcoholic wine, how is that different than grape juice? Kind of the whole thesis is, well, kids like grape juice. And so if they hate this, then it can't, you know, it's not like a sugary um, grape juice. And um, I think if people haven't seen that video, definitely check it out. I think it was, we had a fun time kind of creating um you know an education piece uh, that was a direct response to a question that i get you know often
1: yeah that definitely makes sense the campaign is awesome and i think it just highlights the nuances like you said that i'm sure a lot of questions that you guys have been asked since launch um and also just like paints the picture so clearly um so so well done with that um we'd love to ask you a couple rapid fire questions zero pressure First thing that comes to mind, they're going to be a little funny because why not? Um, Favorite wine region.
2: I got to go to just the Napa Valley. I spent a ton of time up there and I got to drink a lot of wine, a lot of non-alcoholic wine with a bunch of people that are not really close with the Napa Valley. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that.
1: Red or white or rosé? Red cocktail or wine wine all right um we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness so what are some things that you do on a weekly daily basis to be the best version of yourself and to be able to show up for shirley
2: so i usually fast i usually have coffee in the morning but then i'm fasting um i'm usually eating around one or two and i feel like i'm just super productive um, kind of in that early morning time period. Uh, I definitely try to stop eating at eight o'clock just for like circadian rhythm. I feel like, you know, that those, those eating windows and then like stopping them and really like shutting down at the end of the night. I think sleep is something that probably impacts anybody who's working at an early stage startup. And it really does have a massive impact, um, just on like your mood and your energy for the team. And I think that's really important when you're trying to like build something and build culture. And so I think like, if you're not getting good sleep, like it really does reflect and kind of just, at least my general attitude. So I really try to prioritize a, a daily routine that allows for um, really productive mornings and then uh, productive sleep.
0: Love it. Um, where could our listeners learn more about Shirley?
2: Uh, follow us on IG at Drink Shirley. Um, you can check out, there should be a link to our YouTube channel. I believe it's Drink Shirley as well. Um, and then drinkshirley.com is where you can um, kind of find out uh, all of our products, new product launches, all the kind of uh, different campaigns and stuff. I've uh, got a new campaign coming out for January. So we've kind of had some of these fun YouTube videos launching the last couple of months. There'll be another one launching in January as well. So
0: uh, definitely tune in and check that out. Awesome, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, educating us on NA wine and bringing a great product to market. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of the week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.